Hey, you are listening to the Grumpy Guy BJJ podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Got to take care of a few things before we jump into this week's episode. First, our ramping isometrics for BJJ program. It is a 12-week program all laid out for you. It's going to help you build strength and cardio in the fastest, safest, and most convenient way possible. This is how James and I have been training for the past year, and we love it. So we put this program together so you can just follow along, and we are certain you will see and feel the benefits that we do. It's only 15 bucks. Just go to GrumpyGuyBJJ.com, click the drop-down menu in the upper right-hand corner, and you'll find it. Next, R3. Is this is our K2 D3 supplement. It is a combination combination of those two vitamins D3 and K2. These are two vitamins that James and I have been taking for a long time that really help us recover from hard training sessions. And for only 15 bucks with free shipping, you get a whole month supply. I was going to pull up some studies explaining the benefits of D3 and K2, but I'm not going to insult your intelligence and pretend to be a fucking scientist. I take it it helps me recover. That's it. So for 15 bucks, check it out. And last but certainly not least, we have partnered up with Dejitsu.com. They have a ton of awesome BJJ instructionals, and they have hooked us up with a discount code for our listeners. It's Grumpy10. So what you got to do is you go to Dejitsu.com, which is D-I-G-I-T-S-U.com. Find the instructionals you want, throw them in a shopping cart, in the little discount code box, you type in Grumpy10, which is just G-R-U-M-P-Y, and the number 10, one zero. That's it. No spaces. Boom. You get 10% off. You're up and running. They got a nice app you can download on your phone. That way you can take your instructions right to the gym with you, watch the technique, drill it. It's a pretty sweet setup. So once again, D-I-G-I-T-S-U.com, discount code Grumpy10, G-R-U-M-P-Y, one zero. Simple as that. To find all this stuff I just got done talking about, go to our website, grumpyguybjj.com. Click the drop-down menu in the upper right-hand corner. There, you'll subscribe to our newsletter for podcast updates. You'll find links for the Ramping ISOs program, the R3 Recovery Supplement, and then under the Programs and Products tab, you'll find a link to dejitsu.com. And let's be honest, if you guys can't figure out how to navigate a website by now, there's nothing I can do to help you. So quit fucking around. Check it out, train hard, and let's get into this week's episode. Three and <coughs> boom. All right. Back again. Back again. Episode 118. Wow. It's a lot. Oh, here comes the pocket. There's Lock. Uh, we knew he's he. He's like, you guys can't start without me. No partners. It's almost like he knew we hit record. Yeah. Like, right. It's that, well, doing his thing, but that's all business. Yeah. So. <laughs> he's got to come lay on top of the microphone. It's fine. Dude. Make We're it like, awkward. We got a dog, we got a snake, we got fish, we got the fucking the podcast. The wild kingdom. The, the menagerie. <laughs> the menagerie. Yeah. Is that the right use of that word? It is, I'm pretty sure. That's what you would call a, like, a bunch of animals. I've never, I've read the word menagerie. I've never used it in my 40 years in existence, I'm pretty sure. I feel like I need to use it. I think it's kind of like a small private zoo. You know, like a zoo is like a big public collection of animals. And a menagerie is like a smaller, like private collection. I'm going to see if I can work that into Grumpy Guy today. Okay, yeah. I'm going to try. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell him we're going to do a menagerie of mobility. A menagerie of mobility. Menagerie of mobility. 
<laughs> you won't be there today, will you? You got a big birthday party to go yeah, to. Yeah, yep. My uh, nephew has got, it's his seventh birthday. Yeah, because he's turning seven next month. It's weird, man. They're like literally born one month apart to the day. That's crazy. Like January 17th and then February 17th. And like, you know, they're the same age besides that. It's like one month to the day separates them. And uh, that's just fucking weird. It is weird. Really weird. Um, yeah. But so anyways, yeah, we got to go to that birthday party. It's not too bad. It's a bananas. So you, if it's like last year, they're going to give them a little card with some token money on it. Of course, that'll be gone in 10 minutes because right. every game these days costs like fucking $5 or whatever. And, uh, and but then we get like unlimited laser tag play oh really so, that's cool yeah we'll probably end up that was fun man playing i like their laser tag you still haven't gone huh? no. it's, it's a really fun laser tag setup and uh i didn't realize how fun like i went to the one in seattle when i went to that seminar and, and we went and played and uh i yeah i was like damn this is okay it's totally different like you don't realize there's different flavors of laser tag games and things you know you just you just know what you know <laughs> And then it's like, oh, this is, you know, kind of more realistic. Like if you're trying to simulate uh, a gun battle, like for realsies. <laughs> but it's not more fun for right. just like, dude, I just want to run around and fucking shoot shit. Uh-huh. Right, yeah. It's like you got shot twice and then you had to go back to your base and reset. And your gun had a certain amount of ammo. And then you had to take the clip out and push this button to reload it. And it was like, That's you know, right. again, like if you're... If you're trying to simulate a real thing, great. But dude, the one at Bananas is like a fucking it's alien world. Yeah, you got blast. Yeah, when you get shot, like your it lights up and your gun goes dead for like five seconds. And then you're back. In <clears> and then you're back in action. And then it's like, yeah. So you don't want to get shot because it sucks. Like five seconds is a long fucking time. You got When you're like in the middle of some action or something like that. Like, God damn! Come on! Come on! Hurry up! <laughs> ah, ah. But or you got to run away because the little fuckers. The kids will like, they'll go around in little swarms and they'll uh, like chase you. That's hilarious. So and sometimes you got to get away because they'll like think they got you cornered. So they'll just sit there until your light comes back on and then shoot you again. And uh, it's like, yeah, that's not the, uh, I don't want that to happen. So sometimes you got to, you can't run. So that's where you've got to use international speed walking rules. Because there, there is an international definition between running and walking. Oh, yeah. I actually saw a ridiculous YouTube clip of this high school chick who is apparently a very high-level speed walker. Mm. Like, because that's in the Olympics, I believe. Oh, no, it is. And, you know, I think she's on that path. It just, it's no so No pun weird. intended. <laughs> To be a fucking speed walker? Yeah. Uh, it's such a weird technique. I saw you look for something to put your car yeah, on. Yeah, we're so going to help me out. I just yeah. didn't feel comfortable setting it right on the no, 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 I carpet. The, little, on the base of it wasn't big enough like your uh, trooper mug over fucking there. Fucking Boba Fett helmet yeah. mug. Right. Yeah. It's, it's the original more... Mandalorian before we knew what Mandalorians were. It's a little more solid. This new Boba Fett was cool as fuck. No, but anyways, uh, she's on that say? path. Huh? Yeah, she's on that path to power walk. It's a weird yeah. thing. I mean, it looks like she. I mean, this girl was built to do like running events and you know long distance. She's tall, lengthy girl. Yeah, you know she's on a they're like the cross country team. Like three you know? quarters yeah. of her body's legs. Yeah, so it's like weird. every stride yeah. is just like. But it's such a weird like 
It yeah. doesn't look healthy the way they kind of contort. You know when they like lock their legs out. It just it's it's not healthy. It doesn't look. We've said anytime you throw a fucking medal, you start competing <laughs> with walking, right? Walking, we do it every day. And as soon as I look at you and say, I can walk faster, I can walk there faster than you, and the health goes out the window. It does. But the definition, do you know the definition? Of uh, running, of running versus walking? Because there's a I point do. where they'll call a foul on you if you're in a walking competition. No, what is the... You have to have at least one foot in contact with the ground at all times. So if there's ever a moment where both of your feet are off the ground even if it's just for an instant that's running so that okay so that kind of in my mind helps explain the technique a little yes. bit because that's why because when you're running you need like a knee drive right yep. you lift your knees really high mm-hmm. and so that explosiveness of pressing off the ground with the back leg and lifting the front leg yeah. you're gonna have that moment in the air yeah to where when they power walk they kind of like doing leg extensions and they kick their leg violently out yes and as so far as they can. As far as they can. And then plant the heel because they can't lift the back leg until that, until that heel touches the ground. So, okay, so that kind of explains the ridiculous techniques that they use. Yes, yeah, they can't, you know, do that little push, the push. off of their back foot. And that's what technically so separates jogging from running. So, if you're ever in a situation where they're like, no running, you know exactly how fast you can walk. <laughs> And if they call you on it, you're like, yo, man, check the record. The fucking definition of running is I got to have both feet off the ground and I'm not running. I'm walking very fast, but I'm not running. There is a difference. So I've never had that happen, but I've always like kept, you know, in the back of my mind. <clears throat> if anybody ever called me on speed walking, I'd be able to say Olympic rules, baby. <laughs> International, internationally recognized standards. That's what we're going to use here. Speaking of the Olympics, the Olympics are this summer. Are they? I believe so. What the fuck are they? Uh, Tokyo. Wow, okay. I think. I'm pretty sure. Is it Tokyo? That's right, it is. It is Tokyo. That's right. I remember now hearing some shit. Because mountain biking is an Olympic sport. What? Cross country. Like they race? Like kind of like trail riding basically? Kind of. It's laps. They do like laps around a course, but it is like, you know, got single track and shit. But yeah, it's like trail riding. Aggressive show riding for laps hmm. so i didn't realize that yeah 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 fuck yeah i didn't either it's not the sexy one like i don't know when you think about do mountain- they do any sort of downhill in no. a mountain bike like any sort of no. nothing like that nothing like that nope it's just the cross country it is the more popular like discipline and it looks the most like road cycling and so it's uh so yeah, whatever. Are the courses you go on? Is it like really technical stuff, or is it just more of an endurance, more of a fitness challenge? No, man. Those, so it's one of those weird things. Like the pros are really good. Oh, I'm sure they yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so sure they can ride their. But ass I just off. mean like, if most people tell you they race cross country, what they mean like the courses they're riding on are like fucking super simple bullshit. Like I mean the the the, you know the the more technical and harder the course is, the less people you're going to attract. Right. And the industry realized that like years and years ago. And so they have been systematically like dumbing the sport down and scrubbing the shit out because you can attract more and more people. But then you get to like the World Cup, like top level, and you look at like what they're riding and it's like, holy shit, that's legit mountain biking. So it's this weird thing because you can point to the top guys and say, you know, they're riding legit shit. You can't make fun of cross country. Cross country is legit. 
but it's like, but you're not doing what they're doing. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I know that technically they're saying the words cross country racing, but they're doing something different than you are. And uh, even like with the downhilling, you know, as well, like the, you know, the, the shit they ride at the World Cup level versus what, you know, a lot of people ride and say, oh, yeah, I'm racing downhill. And it's like, yeah, you know, kind of. But uh, I don't know. It's like going to a top level fucking tournament like Worlds or Abu Dhabi versus like your local Grappler's Quest or whatever. Right. You know, it's like being a champion or, you know, competing at those two levels are two different things. And, uh, but yeah, that, that cross country though is almost like a completely different sport at the top level compared to what you see at, because like <clears throat> at the high school level, they got high school uh, mountain biking leagues and they're fucking terrible because they're run by uh, NICA, which is a cycling association. It's the National Interscholastic Cycling Association because most schools don't have a cycling program. And so NICA is almost like this, it's a high school cycling program. You know, they have races and so you, you're, 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 uh, you're, school can join a NICA league, right? But it's not school district 51. Right. Right. So around here, like that, that's our school district. And so like, if you play football, you play volleyball, you play basketball, you play any of the regular sports, you're playing district 51. Like they're, that's the league that you're playing in. You're playing against the other teams in, in district 51. And it's different if you want to join a mountain biking league or, or cycling, they do this with road cycling as well, but it's, uh, you got to join NICA. And so Nike gets to like run the show. Like they're they're basically, you know, shaping the future riders of America and telling them like this is what mountain biking is and this is what this is. And then you go look at like what they're calling mountain biking, and it's like and especially if you compare that to like what they're riding at like they're doing cross country races, right? And you look at like what they're doing at their level versus like what they're doing at the pro level, and it's like that's not the same fucking not thing. Not even the man. same sport. It's not even the same sport. I mean, they have rules against, again, I, I, I could be wrong. I like to just misquote shit all the time. But at one point, I know that there was a rule in the Nike rule book where, like, you couldn't uh, bunny hop or jump your bike. Like, if you manipulated your bike in a way that made both wheels come off the ground at the same time, it could be a foul. And, yeah, yeah. That, and, I mean, I... I really don't know anything about mountain biking, but that seems like a pretty valuable skill. It's a fundamental thing. Fundamental you, thing. You need right? to know how to be able to, if you don't know how to do a basic like bunny hop and, and, and drop, it's unsafe for you. Right. You should go back to learning how to do those skills before you start playing the sport, not fucking force the sport to change its standards because we want to get kids and it's all for the kids, right? So you can't say anything negative about something that's being done for kids. Right? Like, you look like an asshole if you come out and you start criticizing NICA. And uh, so, but it is, man. I don't think it's good. I think that the vision that they give kids of what mountain biking is, um, is not what mountain biking is. And it's road cycling. Like I said, anytime you, you hear the word cycling, that is code word for road riding. Like, that, that's what mm -hmm. it is. That's what cycling is. And so, whenever you get... A body. That's why like BMX racing broke off and like started its own thing because like being under like the UCI like the in in uh, I mean I guess they are still under anyways but it's like whenever you're the the main governing bodies in cycling their main concern and their whole view of the world is road riding 
And so they look at mountain biking as like, it's road riding on dirt. Like that's how they look at mountain biking. They can't help it because it's what they know. And so, but mountain biking is not road riding on dirt. It's a completely different thing. Completely different thing. And I don't even think that racing is really like a good, you know, it's part of it. it it's kind of like... It's just one aspect, one discipline of it, huh? Yeah. I, I look, man, I look at mountain biking more like jujitsu, right? Like it's more about like self-expression and self-improvement. And yeah, you got to test yourself from time to time. But if you're always focused on like racing and that's your, and then moving up the classes and I got to get to like this next, you know, level and, you know, getting it to pro and like, that's your focus. You know, it's like just focusing on competitions and belt chasing and jujitsu. It's like, it's not the same thing. Like, yeah, you got to compete in jujitsu, but it's not what it's about. Right. Yeah, I mean, skiing's there's you know very similar in skiing because ski racing to like where you got slalom, giant slalom, mm-hmm. at the higher levels downhill, you know, and things like that. <clears throat> Super G. It's that's not the same as backcountry. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's completely different. Completely different. Even like the technique. It, if you're a really good ski racer, you can learn how to do the other stuff. Yeah. It's easier to go that way. As opposed to being like really good at like backcountry and that mogul skiing or whatever, and then trying to learn how to be a good racer, it doesn't. It's kind of like the gi and no gi thing. Yeah. yeah. It's if you start out doing ski racing, which would be the gi, because it's real technical. You can transfer to the other stuff pretty easy. Yeah. But if you start out doing no gi and the other stuff, to you for you to become a good ski racer, it's a it's a larger bridge to cross. Yeah. It's kind of that's what it, it sounds sounds like you're kind of explaining. Yeah. It's, no, no, it's it's similar. I mean, it's uh um. Yeah, because you do, you know, and again, a lot of it is like, well, how are, how do you, you know, how are you determining success, right? Like, right. is it racing or is it like just being a good all around skier or, or rider or whatever? Right. And so, but I, if you have a kid coming up and his focus is on racing, right? Like that's what mountain biking is. That's what skiing is, right? Like it's just, it's racing versus like a kid who comes up thinking like, no, man, this is about, yeah, this is part of it. But the bigger part of it is like you know, it's a, it's a form of self-improvement. It is a way for me to challenge myself and grow and, and improve my skills. And, you know, there's so much more to it. And and if I focus on those things, then the racing results will come, I guess is, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's, that's the, the danger I see is that the, the official representatives of mountain biking to kids is this race heavy, uh, cross country, like super watered down so we can include everyone again. And that's a problem too, is like, by the time you get to high school, you know, if you're going to play high school sports, like Shiloh went through this, right? Like, or, or experienced this, like she got to ninth grade, like there is no C team, right? You get cut, right? You either know what you're doing and you're playing the sport because you have other kids who are trying to, you know, play the sport at a high level and perhaps even advance themselves and you just cut it off and it's like but with the with the with mountain biking we got to include everyone and so they almost kind of treat these teams almost like clubs you know there's a difference between a team and a club like mm-hmm. a club is like we're going to take on everyone and we're going to try to like a little more fun it's a little more fun well it, well it's that it's like well you got to like you're always going to be your lowest the you're always going to be dragged down by the the lowest person in the group yep Right? You're going to be picked up by the, by the person at the top and, and, and where everybody, where your group ends up is going to be somewhere in the middle. It's going to be a function of like how weak your weakest link is. Yep. And that's one of the reasons they make cuts on teams. It's the reason you don't like, you, so you, you are, 
you're trying to make your weakest link as strong as it can be, right? And that's how you make a good team. And with a club, it's like, eh, we don't look at it that way. And so you've got these kids who don't aren't very good riders. And so again, if you've got kids who aren't very good riders because they haven't been doing it for very long, and then they come up, and then you've got clipless pedals, right? Because everyone thinks you got to ride clipless pedals, so you put these poor fucking kids on clipless pedals. And of course, now you got to scrub these courses so these kids don't kill themselves. Mm-hmm. Like it's dangerous to put them on a legitimate mountain bike trail with very little experience and them being on clipless pedals. Hooked into their bike. Yes, it's very dangerous. So rightfully so, they're trying to make it safer. But again, you know, one would be to ban clipless pedals like uh, BMX racing has for kids up to 13, I think. They can't wear clipless pedals. Do In that sport, do they wear them? All the no. time, yeah. Oh, do they? Oh, clipless pedals are pervasive. The whole myth and lies and the whole bullshit behind clipless pedals is like, it's a religion, man. I didn't realize they wore them in BMX racing. Every cycling right, sport. Yeah, like, even the, like the straight up BMX racing yep. where they can blast out of the gate yep. and down that big hill and they yeah. get the short little course. Yeah, and the slope style, like the guys that do the tricks, obviously not. Right, obviously right. not. But no, 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 racing, yes. That's, oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah, realize yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. No, that's, uh, they're all clipless pedals. It's the whole, like, you got to be able to pull up on the backstroke. And, you know, it's, it's all this bullshit that people say. And then if you actually looked into, you realize, like, oh, well, I'm just talking bullshit out of my ass. Like, none of what I'm saying is actually true. And I'm just repeating what I heard from what I thought was a reliable source. But he was repeating bullshit out of his ass. Oh, no, it's pervasive. It's just nonsense. I didn't realize that, man. I, I just assumed those BMX racers on those short little sprint courses <clears throat> were just big flat no, pedals. No. Well, again, because you've got shitty pedal designs that roll on you, mm-hmm. right? Because, again, if you've got a small platform, that, like the, the, the length of your, the size of your pressure patch improves your ability to apply pressure. Makes sense. That makes yeah. fucking sense, right? You'd think so. And so, but people just don't look at pedaling their bike as a pressure problem. And so, you know, the pedals are so small because, oh, it's like running or walking and all this other bullshit that's been disproven. But, you know, uh, but the, so you got this small pressure patch and it's uneven, right? Well, one of the ways to solve that problem is to attach your foot to the pedal. Like that is a legitimate yeah, yeah, yeah. way to solve that problem. It is I a mean, solution to it. It's a solution to it. It does solve the problem. It's not the only way to solve the problem and it's not the best way to solve the problem. And that's... That's the problem is it's not, people aren't presented like, you know, here was the problem and here was how we went about solving the problem. They're just told that this solution is it. And you're not even like, the, the, the impression is that there's no other options. Like this is the only option. We've already figured all this out. That's why, you know, and it's fucking nonsense, man. But I realize like talking about this stuff and it's good. It kind of goes back to like what we talk about with jujitsu is like, you know, the the final answer you're getting from someone or what are you getting from someone? Is it, are you being told how to think and then allowed to make your own decisions? Or are you being told what to think? So when someone tells you like clipless puddles are better and they just start just saying shit, right? And they just make these statements and they're not telling you actually like, okay, here's, you know, the actual like, you know, proof, right? Like here's the theory, like you pull up on the backstroke and all this other stuff. But here's the actual like, you know, here's the principles and the science that we're basing this decision on, right? Like every good decision should have some foundation, some some objective foundation, right? Like right. That's, that's what we try to build. That's what science is about. You try to have some objective way to build your view of the world. 
And so you can explain to someone what your view of the world is, but when questioned on it, you should be able to go back and explain using some something, right? Some some, some principle, yeah. some foundational principle that you are that they could look at that principle and then say, well. Okay, if I looked at this problem with that principle, would I come to the same conclusion? Okay, yeah, I would. Okay, okay I see how you're looking at this. Cool. And if they don't, you know, maybe not. Maybe you look at it and you go, wait a minute, man, I'm looking at this and I'm not seeing the same answer, right? And so, but that there's a difference and there's a danger, right, in doing that because someone could look at it and say, I'm not seeing the same answer. And so that's why a lot of times it, you're just given like, here's what to think, not the principles behind what we're thinking and so it uh you know man you see it all over i mean humans fall for this shit all the time and you know it's like oh god hates gays okay cool what, what principles are we basing this on <laughs> right let's take a look at it and dig into it and then it's oh, wait that's what you're basing come get the fuck out of here right and uh it's the same thing but it's uh it's maddening because it's people people get misled by the information and so then they make bad decisions that affect their, you know, their health their, uh, you know, people get hurt on fucking clubless puddles all the time. Like you see the sport getting dumbed down because that's the, the best way to make it safe for less experienced people is to like dumb it down. If you're going to have them attached to their goddamn bike, but if they, you know, there's other answers to the problem and that's like always what I'm trying to do with I, I tell people even with this like bike James flat pedal bullshit is uh, don't believe me don't believe me go fucking look it up yourself go look at the shit like I provide places for you you know some information for you to look at go check it out for yourself and then come to your own conclusion man that's all I'm asking people to do is stop basing your conclusion on what fucking bike shop guy told you like it's just it's idiotic so that's why I love jujitsu because no matter what somebody tells you, some dipshit blue belt can tell you whatever the fuck he wants. Yep. And you're like, hmm, okay. Well, everybody knows these principles. These principles are not fucking mysteries, right? Like most cyclists don't understand the principles behind the pedal stroke and moving on their bike and all of these things. They're completely misled in the, in this. But man, in jujitsu, it's it's hard to bullshit yeah, it's hard to bullshit man we know what the fuck's going on like we know what these principles are so you can look at a move and and, and go like eh, you know I don't know that looks like it's got a gap from a principle standpoint or then you try it and you see and it's uh, yeah you don't have to sit there and like just argue theory with people all the time it's like the fucking flat earth society it's like I, I joke about it with the ancient aliens things you know ancient astronaut theorists say you can't prove us wrong right like that's their whole thing like right? they're always like you know oh you know did aliens visit us in the distant past in you know and and their follow-up is always like you know ancient astronaut theorists say yes or, or whatever and then they right. go on to like their their quote-unquote evidence and i'm and like I've, I've started to like pipe in when they say that like ancient astronaut theorists say you can't prove us wrong and then we're going to throw some shit out and you can't prove it's wrong. But not being able to prove it's wrong is not the same thing as being right. And, and without the ability to test it and really find out what the fuck is right, you just end up with a lot of like, well, you can't prove me wrong. Doesn't mean it's right. Exactly. But people don't, they get confused on that. They think because I can't prove them wrong like in the moment that that means they're right. 
<clears throat> and it's like, no, man. Like I well, then they're all saying like absence of evidence is not evidence of absence or something like that. That yeah, I think there's something along those lines. Yeah, I've yeah, definitely heard it before. Yep. Uh, yeah, but again, the maddening thing is that uh, if you have evidence, then it points in a direction, and then people ignore it because it doesn't fit in with the story that they want, and it's like, it's like, what is the fuck? Yeah, there's just so many, you know, it's like people insisting that the world is fucking 3,000 years old because if you count the generations in the Bible backwards, that's how old, that's it, how is. old it is. That's how old it is. Oh, are we ready for our Pokemon update? What's up, buddy? I'm a freshly Hi. showered Z. It's cleaned up. Cleaned up, ready to go. I actually have something special for on this podcast. Oh, okay. But Sweet. I'll save it for last. Okay. So I, the Pokemon that I bring in is a Snorlax GX. It uh, is a basic. It uses Clasp, which does 80 damage, and then Thunder Snored. Which does 180 damage. Under Thunder is snore. Thunder snore. Yeah. And then at, under class. Pretty sweet attack. <laughs> the, after clasp, this says this Pokemon is now asleep. And then in Thunder snore, this says um, this attack can be you can be used if this Pokemon is asleep. If it is not asleep this attack does nothing oh and there's a pulverizing pancake gx it does 210 damage nice pulverizing pancake yes pulverizing pancake it says this pokemon is now asleep sweet and then the special thing that i brought in is a metal gx tag team uh is a metal GX tag team thing. What do, what does that do? It doesn't do anything. It's just something really cool. Can I see it? Mm-hmm. This this is a Pokemon thing. Yeah. Yeah, they have a uh, the GX are like a special like uh, I don't know what would you call them Pokemon like, Pokemon like, like high we... level Pokemon. Like, yeah. And the tag team was an addition that came out where they had like two Pokemon that. Teamed up. Team up and, and they can do special things. Gotcha. So that's a pretty cool little thing. Mm-hmm. Where'd you score where'd you score that at? Um on Christmas my grandma and grandpa uh were gonna get me a card pack and then mom and dad's helped them choose out uh the one with the me to and meal. So then this actually came in it. Cool. Very cool. If I had would have not shared the Mewtwo and Mew, since this came with I had would have shared it with this. Gotcha. Card with the metal thing. Mm-hmm. Cool. So you got a big birthday party today, huh? Yep. It's my cousin's birthday party. How old is he going to be? S- seven. And you're going to be seven soon too, huh? Mm-hmm. Man, you're getting old, dude. That was crazy. Shiloh was eight when he was born, so he's like getting to the age she was so that means you gotta start asking your mom and dad if they're gonna have another kid <laughs> yeah <laughs> Kiela's gonna need... laugh when she hears this <laughs> you think you need another brother you want a little brother Z no I want a little <laughs> so mad I want a little sister a little sister you gotta go talk to your mom okay alright see what so she says mad. okay <laughs> alright what did we learn in uh, Jiu Jitsu this week remember what moves we learned uh, we learned uh, tackle the giant, t- 
to pass and we got past crazy legs to crocodile control to um sneaky mount to the swim where you uh yeah the swim and then uh on the third swim we did the americana which which the swim move they push up on you oh, to get their your arm, chest. To get their arm you get your inside and position again and just swim. And it's out. just like a swim and stroke, huh? Yep, yep. That's what I figured it was, but I wanted to make sure. Yeah, it's basic use of uh, inside, inside position principles. So clearing the arms. Yep, exactly. They start pushing up because they're inside your arms, and you got to get inside and pop them out and come back down. And then it's funny. I was gonna have them do. We're still gonna do the arm bar, but like, man, arm bar from mount is not the freaking super easy super ass easy. thing that people make it out to be. Like, it is a, you know, the the movement that you have to make. Like, you, you have to completely adjust your angle. Like, you gotta completely turn your hips to the to the side, ninety yeah. degrees or more, and that is something that's just completely foreign to a lot of people. And uh, anyways, we can get into it more, but I was like, I was like, all right, you know, because traditionally you have them do like an arm bar from there. Like I said, we're still going to work on that. But I was like, man, the, it's easy- not the easiest move. No. And we learned the Americana last week from uh, side control. You do it from mount. So I was like, dude, do it from mount. Like for a kid, that's probably such a more safer, you're not giving up position. Just getting that figure four control, it just gives you more control of the other person. So even if you don't get the finish like you're not putting yourself in a spot where they can get away so no man you can uh no you're good you don't want to just sit out here and talk jiu-jitsu with the with the men no anything else you want to tell us hmm. how's school good also actually on the snorlax oh. yet on right. Pokemon cards, there are weaknesses and resistances. The Snorlax GX has no resistance, and the weaknesses uh, two is um, fighting types. Fighting types. I can see fighting types giving Snorlax a problem. Yep. A little too yep. active. Snorlax. That's like, his name? Snorlax? Snorlax GX, man. Giant cat-looking thing that Wait, just but, sleeps. But, yeah, it sleeps a lot. That's... And it snores while it sleeps, so it's called Snorlax. Snorlax. It's kind of funny. It is kind of funny. Actually, maybe it's because it lacks snoring, because in all of the, the Pokemon shows when I saw it, Snorlax actually did not sleep. Mm. No, I mean snore. It didn't snore? <laughs> well. Maybe it's because it lacks snoring. Mm. Could be. Lacks snoring ability. All right, man. I think that's good on our Pokemon update. Okay. Thanks, so, dude. Appreciate Bye. it. Bye. Have, have fun at your birthday party today, man. I will. Bye, dude. Bye. <laughs> We're talking and he whispers to me. He's like... <laughs> yes. <laughs> For those of you you guys couldn't hear, Z immediately went out there and asked his mom if she could have another kid. <laughs> she comes storming in here, man. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm pointing Kelly. at you. <laughs> yes. So I did not expect him to ask so soon. That is oh a, no, he will. That is hilarious. He'll remember for sure. <laughs> He's not one of those normal little kids that just forget shit. Oh man, that makes me so happy. That's funny. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, Kelly's gonna love me for that one. Yep. Yeah, we were sitting there talking, he leans over, he's like, should I leave? <laughs> I'm like, no, no, that's fine, man. <laughs>
we'll, we'll wrap it up. But uh, yeah. So, anyways, we were working on that with the with the kids, mainly the sneaky mount, like going from side control, side control to mount. And how do you get you got him sliding the knee over? Yeah, just you don't even not even like real knee on belly, you know, right? Like just slide, slide it across. Yep, pop your knee up to their belt. And then, man, the main thing is you've got to make your knee touch the ground before you try to bring your foot over. Yep. And it was amazing. Like, what like what I got them to really focus on that, and like, especially like the kids that did it twice, like. Man, you could tell the difference. Like them making that conscious effort to drive the knee all the way over and make it touch the mat. And, and then, then windshield wiper the foot. And I was having the kids on bottom. I was like, look, if you can catch their foot, do it. Because if you do this right, you, they can't catch your foot. But you got to put the knee down first. You got to have the knee touch the, the mat first. And then once you do that, everything else is, uh, is good. And so, which was good. Because, man, if you can coach it to a kid, like you can coach it to an adult. Yeah. Like, dude, my shrimping coaching is on fucking point, man. <laughs> I can coach shrimping. Like, they, it used to be one of those moves where you're just like, you try to coach it, and you watch somebody flail around, and then there's just the old... It's hard to figure out what words to use. Like, Yeah, it, yeah, but it's, you know, the, the excuse is usually, ah, you know, it takes time. You know, you'll figure it out. It's, it's one of those hard moves to figure out, and, and it just takes some time. And it's like, no, if you coach it right, it's fucking, it works, but... The so yeah, it's three things. Get your hips up as high as you can get them, and then what's really helped is I've been telling them to roll over to one shoulder so far you feel like if you go any further you're gonna flop over onto your belly. Like you can't roll over to your shoulder far enough, too far. Like if you roll over too far, you're gonna end up doing like a step over, you mm -hmm. know, to like turtle whatever. But just getting people to understand like, oh, that's how far. I have to come over to my shoulder. And so when you're at that point, you can see your feet. And if your butt is up and you are over to your shoulder that far, dude, the hips coming out in the shrimp is easy. 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 It is. It happens perfectly. And But if you don't get them to get the hips up and then turn over far enough, and that's where everybody fucks up shrimps at first, they don't turn to their shoulder enough. They get maybe like get one shoulder off the mat, but they still got like a whole shoulder blade on the ground. And so then they in turn they don't turn their hips. Yeah. And so then it's hard to slide your hips the right angle. Right. Your hips because, aren't lined. You don't, yep. don't have your body in line to move the properly because yes. your hips only hinge one weight. Yep. You know, so it's hard to hinge you, into the ground. If you hinge into the ground, how are you gonna scoot? Yeah. You, you got to get your so you end up jumping. Your, yeah. You end up doing some weird like jumping shit. Yeah. And then spreading everything out, and you end up like in this fucking weird <laughs> position that if you ever ended up there rolling, you're in trouble. Would be terrible. And yet, you know, it's not uh, unusual to see shrimping coached and you know going down like that. And eventually, you figure it out. But it's not because of the spectacular coaching cues the jujitsu world has come up with to coach shrimping. Like it's really not that fucking difficult to explain. But you have to believe that you can't. You know, you can't fall back on the excuse of like, it's hard for it's people. Oh, to, you'll get it. You'll get it. You'll get it. It's, it's like, no, that person should be able to get it within three to five reps. And if they can't figure it out in three to five reps, it's probably you, man. It's probably you and your coaching cues. So go coach the fucking kids class. Figure out how to get them to do shrimps properly. And then go back and coach the adults. 
Like I, I personally believe like if you coach adults, like you should coach kids like as well, because if you can't coach it to a kid, you can't really you coach can't it coach to an adult. adult. It's almost like a competition for coaching. Like, okay, you think you're good? <laughs> go teach a six-year-old. Go teach the kids class. Yeah. And see how, you know... Because they're so literal. Yes. You know, when you're, te- when you're coaching adults, adults' brains are doing all these computations. And they have... Whatever words you say, they have their own little... What they hear. Interpretations. Interpretations. Yeah. Where kids, you tell them to do something... They they're not gonna have as many interpretations. They're like they're they are gonna try to replicate what you tell them, and you know their body awareness is what yeah you know screws it up. Yeah. But they're trying to do exactly what you tell them. And yeah. once they learn the body awareness, then it can happen. Where the adults, not only do you got the extra computations, then you got the lack of body awareness, and it's just like whoa, what am I seeing? Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out the right. I mean, I run into that. I mean, I don't coach kids ever. Yeah, and no, I, I take. Yeah. I don't need. To, I, I didn't really mean that. I mean, no, I know. It's I a know good challenge. I know. I know what you mean, though. And even approaching yeah. your adults like you're coaching a kids class. Like, don't yeah. fall back on the crutch of like you know they've got their adults, so they've got more structure to hang the things I'm saying on. Right. And so it allows me to say more shit. Because some of that shit may be screwing people up. Like, that's the thing with kids. Like, man, you better be able to boil it Concise, down to, like, dude. like, three things. Yep. That's it. So. Yeah. 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 Gen- generally, when you're coaching something, if someone's not getting it, it's not the lack of words you're using. No. <laughs> it's usually, no. You, you've used too many too words. Too many. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It was something you said, and then you keep trying to talk your you way out of it. You keep trying to add to it, and you're just compounding the problem. Yep. Yeah. I run into that for sure. I know it's funny. I know we've both done that. I've seen us both like, all right, hold on. I just said something. I apologize. It's fucking you guys up. Scrap, scrap that. Scrap that. Just pretend I did not say that. Yeah, so let's think about something else here. Because, <laughs> yeah, man, you put them in the wrong. Get them thinking about the wrong stuff. It's hard to get someone back out of it. You get their their brain going down a certain track. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's why it's, you know, <clears throat> important thinking about the right stuff and, you know, drilling and that's why it makes having good coaches and teammates so valuable because, yeah, you develop bad habits and then, yeah, the, like, it, it takes you more reps to unlearn a bad habit than it did to learn it in the first place. Yep. So, it's, uh, you definitely want to try to make sure you're on that right path from the beginning. But, um, so, yeah. So yeah, speaking of that though, I'm bummed you're not going to be there to drill today. I know, we me always, too. We always drill together on Saturdays. I know, I've been having, uh, I actually have some stuff to, I've been drilling about it. I went through a stretch where I was like, what am I working on? I don't know what the fuck I'm working on. So, it's good. I've got problems again. That's good. So, it's, uh, yeah, I'm going to try to make the open mat. So I'm gonna tell him I gotta leave by one because it's supposed to be for oh, like to, eleven today. to two. Oh, yeah. okay, nice. nice. I was like, "Fuck, dude, that's a three hours a long time for a birthday party." And uh, but yeah, I want to try to make it because this is my last week to get that my video. Like, if I have a video of me rolling and sending to that review. Oh, I forgot website. about that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, have you sent them in anything? No, 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 not yet. Because I haven't. Like, my plan was to uh, film me rolling last night. Like oh, okay. just, you know, have Kelly film me rolling with like you or, you know, somebody and, and, uh, so that was my plan. And then I was just, dude, I was so dead yesterday. It's crazy. I feel alive today. I feel, I felt like a fucking zombie yesterday. Did you? Yeah. I told you I slept like five hours, right man. In the middle of the day? In the middle it, of the day. That didn't screw your uh, sleep up last night? You went to a bed at, bit. at a normal time? I went to bed at a normal time and, you know, I definitely was, 
you know, probably woke up a little bit more than normal. But uh, nah, man, I enjoyed laying in bed for like That's fucking a long forever. I, I did that not too long ago. I remember just being tired as I'll get out. I was like, all right, I'll lay down and take a nap. And when I do that, generally, man, like 20, 30 minutes and I'm yeah. up. And I'm like, oh, I feel refreshed and that's good. Like for a you know, midday nap. Yeah, I, I did that same thing where I laid down and all of a sudden, like three hours later or something, I'm up and I'm like, whoa, like, I, did I really just, I mean, I just knocked out to like dead to the world yeah. for a few hours. Dude, it's nice uh-huh. to just go to bed and not wake up like when something tells you to. Yeah. Like there's something to that. Like it is just, yeah, even like taking a nap in the afternoons, I usually set an alarm and I was just like yesterday, I was like, man, I just, I just want to fucking go to sleep. I don't want to worry about when I wake up. I am just so tired. And so, uh, yeah, you got to do that every once in a while. It's people, it's the fucking, we're not getting enough sleep. I'm really like kind of struggling with trying to balance all this shit out with like, you know, getting enough sleep with also trying to do all the other things. Oh, dude, that's a struggle I have every week. You know what I mean? Because I, I do, I get in an argument with myself. Like, okay, do I... Because, you know, sometimes, like, I get just forced to have to go to bed late because I get out of work late. Like, yeah. thurs- like Thursday, dude, I put in, like, a 13-plus-hour day, man. I didn't get home from work Thursday until, like, 10 o'clock. And usually, dude, like, you know, my I'm, I schedule myself to get up every day at 5.30 at, the, like, the latest. That's my alarm. Like, I have an alarm set for 5.30. If I get to bed at a decent time, a lot of times I wake up slightly before it. And I'm like, okay, I'm good, and I just get up. Um, so, but I have those late days to where I get forced or I don't get to get home until 10. By the time I get home and get showered up and, you know, do my thing, like, you're not in bed until 11. And, dude, 5.30 comes early. And so, okay, do I push that alarm back for, like, another hour or so? But then I don't get all my morning, like, routine done. I barely get my dog walked. I barely get, I don't even get a workout. Then I just get, like, oh, I'm mad at the world because I didn't I get shake my fist at the world because I didn't do my morning routine. Yeah. So is that better, though, that I missed that for some sleep? Because, you know, I'm only going to get five hours of sleep, so am I really gaining on it by getting six? Is That's my rationale. Like, well, yeah. I'm, like, I'm not getting, you know, seven or eight, so fuck it. Let's just deal with five. <laughs> that's usually my answer. I don't know if it's the correct answer. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's a, uh, it's it's a tough one to balance. I I I think we just fucking we try to do too much, man. Like humans, we're not really meant to try to juggle so much fucking shit, and and then being told it's like I, I was thinking about this. It's weird, like I get how I connect shit, and again, it's like chin ups. You know, I hate chin ups because I can't do them. So now I'm like, like, dude, I want to sleep in more. So I'm trying to find more fucking excuses. My brain finds like, you know, connects dots to justify my current theory on shit or, or what I'm looking for. So I admit that. But I was thinking about uh, some of this stuff. And because I'm reading a book, uh, it's actually that Black Elk Speaks book. Oh, I've heard Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah, about. yeah. Well, it's what one. So you listen to the Mike Baker interview. Yeah. Was it not weirdly ironic that, like, just the day before, I was talking about Peter Pan and how goddamn racist it was? <laughs> and he, brought, he brought it up with his kids, Sluggo. And why he's like, damn, this is kind of racist. Kind of racist, huh? <laughs> like, a 12-year-old yeah. kid or whatever. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's fucking, this is pretty racist, especially in today's 
context. Again, I'm not saying we should ban Peter Pan. You know what I mean? And that's that's kind of the danger is like, okay, that 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 is really racist. You know, so should we still like have that around? Like, is that offensive? But I don't. Again, like taking it in the context of the time is a little. Yeah, you can't you can't get rid of it. No, it's a. It's kind of a part of history. Yeah. It, it shows where we were as a society. Exactly. Like, exactly. You can't just ignore. Like we all make mistakes. That's like you making a mistake and just oh we're just pretending it didn't happen. Never happened. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. That's just a societal mistake, really. Misstep. Yep. And at, at that time when it came out, we didn't see it as a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I mean, maybe some people did, but as a whole, right? Know, we didn't. In today's context, you're like, oh, it's, it's yeah. like cringeworthy. Like, oh yeah. shit. Like if you make that today, you you know what you're doing. Like you know how right. it's going to be received. So it comes from a different place. Like if you went to the Disney, uh, you know, people who made that movie back then and said, "Dude, you know how this is blah blah blah," they'd probably be like, "Dude, we were just, you know, yeah, I can see that now that you explain that, but when we were making it, that wasn't where we were at mentally. Right. We were just trying to have fun, like with a caricature and in society. We all knew cowboys and Indians and you know, it was like the Lost Boys and the Indians. And so what, you know, it was just, it, it was, it wasn't meant from a, a, like a bad place necessarily, but it doesn't mean that it didn't have an impact. You can tell me if you're a Native American watching that fucking cartoon, like you're not watching that going like, what the fuck is this? Like, like, how does that make you feel? Right. And like, and then no one in society saying anything. So you just think, oh, I am like this cartoonish, you know, thing and, and whatever. So it had a negative impact on people in society back then. But people just didn't have a voice like they do nowadays. Yeah, and you just, you, know, you couldn't go on Twitter and be pissed off about it. it. Right. Yeah, it wasn't you and so that meant anyway, so it was uh But anyways, but anyways they were talking about that and then he was talking about the books that he was reading and uh, I he, wanted to. Read. He's been on this Native American kick lately. Yeah, I get. I have, yeah, it's, it's kind of the first I've heard him talk about it, but because I had read the biography of Red Cloud, uh, who was the the Sioux, the Lakota Sioux um, chief that basically like he was. It was the only time the U.S. sued for peace with an Indian nation. Like there, he got all the Sioux to come together to defend the Black Hills area of South Dakota from, you know, the white man wanting to go in there and, and, you know, dig for gold and shit. And they basically whooped the army's ass like several times and made life so miserable that the army actually sued for peace and granted, like they signed a treaty with Red Cloud that granted that area to him and his people as long as the grass grows and the water flows. And then fucking eight years later, they're like, you know, eh, yeah, we're taking eh, it. Yeah, we're gonna take it. It's you know, we found gold in there, and so it. Uh, so it's interesting because Black Elk was in that time. Okay. Like some of the stuff that he was talking about, I was like, oh, so he's, you know, like was from that time. Like he was twelve years old, or whatever, when like you know Red Cloud and this whole uh, you know thing was going on, like Custer's Last Stand and. And all that, because that was all tied into that. Because basically, Red Cloud had, uh, at one point, you know, they basically came to them and said, "Look, you know, we need you to lease the Black Hills to us, and if you don't lease them to us, we're gonna take them." So this whole treaty thing we signed with you guys like eight years ago, you know, that's why we're gonna lease it from you, because you guys still own it, right? So we're gonna lease it from you. 
And so they didn't really give him fucking much of a choice, obviously. And so the that land got, you know, leased to the government or was going to. And so that's what, uh, you know, a lot of that, um, what that was, was like Custer and all the, that shit was them going in to clear out the Indians that wouldn't leave, which was Crazy Horse and, and Sitting Bull and like some of those, like, you know, names that you recognize probably. But uh, like that's who they were. They were the... the, the, the tribes that were like fuck that we're not going into the agencies we're not going to you know uh, clear out and submit to this uh bullshit and so yeah custer came in thinking he was just gonna fucking ride all over him and fucking rode into a shitstorm shitstorm man yeah giant camp of them that they just didn't realize was there but one of the things was was all of them were talking about because they had been in a fight like two days earlier with uh I forget who it was, One another, like, um, army guy and his, you know, dudes. And they won that, and they were moving away because they knew that the army was going to be coming there. And so they were, it was two days after that that the whole Custer's Last Stand thing um, happened. And so they were celebrating from that, like, win. And so they were up all night partying. And so it was funny, like, in the book, there's several guys giving their account because they were there. And they're telling, like, this is what happened, and this is what I did, and this is what happened, you know, what I saw. And uh, all of them said that they were fucking slept in. Like, they slept in late because we were up, you know, partying the night before. And so, and you know, not like one or two of them. It was like the entire fucking camp was just like, nah, we're sleeping in. You guys just, you know, call this whole thing off. So, it, I don't know. And that was, uh, you know, I'm like, the fuck? It, I don't know, it's just weird. It was like this weird mindset because, again, you have this, like, there's a mentality, like, to them, sleeping in because you're fucking tired, it's not that big a deal, mm-hmm. right? But today, like, in our society, sleeping in because you're tired is fucking frowned on. Like, you are mentally discouraged from it. You know, it was like a, it was like a weird juxtaposition of, of mindset. Again, like several times in the book, he talks about how like, you know, we slept in and, you know, there, there wasn't this fucking rigid like, oh, the sun's up, bam, we are up, we're fucking camps alive, we're doing our shit. You know, you're, it's, it, was, uh, it was just a weird juxtaposition between like, you know, oh man, these guys, like, they're fucking tired, they fucking slept. They didn't like push it. Uh, you know, obviously there are times when they had to, you're on the war right. path or whatever, and you're pushing yourself, but it wasn't this societal drive yourself to the bone every day kind of push. And it's like, dude, why would we do that to ourselves? Like, why, why would you go from thinking like the Indians who, who by all accounts, you know, pretty much represented like hunter gatherer, like, you know, at one point all of our ancestors were living similar to that. Like, why would you go from that mindset to our current one? Like, who would benefit from that? Like, do, do we really benefit individually? Corporations. From it? Yes. That's how you would want a human being to act if you were trying to just turn them into a commodity. Maximize profit. Yes. You can't just have your employees just coming in whenever they feel rested. Yeah. How are you going to turn a profit? How are you going to turn a profit? Yeah. It's a different thing when everybody's running their own... My family... My family unit is part of this band, but it's still like my family unit. So yeah, we work together, but I'm not your employee, man. Mm-hmm. 
And so if I want to take fucking today off, I'm taking today off. And then we'll, we'll get together tomorrow and work mm-hmm. and do this shit. And that's how, you know, no, and if you're super unreliable, well, people won't want to work with you. So, the, you know, there were, there were rewards and, and disadvantages for being too lazy, right? You want to strike a balance with shit. You want to be reliable and, and able to contribute. But, you know, it wasn't this, uh, you know, this cracking of the whip at dawn every day. Cause like there was no one to do it. No one fucking, Hey man, that's your deal. And, uh, but yeah, once you start to own quote unquote own people and like when you're an employer on some level, you own, own. you're renting those people, you're renting their time and their life energy yep. and you want them to direct those things in an, in, in a direction that benefits you. And so you end up with fucking where we're at at today. Where we're at, yep. Yeah. And it's a mentality that society has created. Again, it's not the only way. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, the Indian society had a totally different outlook and mentality towards this thing. So this isn't the only way. This isn't, you can't even argue that this is the best way. It's just a way. It's just a way. But it is the way. Yeah. The way society's ended up. Right. And to change that, like, like, where do you even begin? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I will say there are some pushes towards that. Like, God, I forget what I saw something on the news about. Like, push somewhere for like like a four four day work week or like like something. Like, there there is definitely a recognition that the the scale has gone too far, or like the the you know things have tipped too far in one direction, and that you know having people who are super busy is not the same thing that are having people that are productive. And so just asking people to put in like 80 hours a week, man, are you really getting more out of them than if they put in like, you know, 40 mm-hmm. and, and had time to rest and spend with friends and do things to recharge? Like, you know, I'll guarantee you they're probably going to get 80% as much done in that 40 hours as, you know, that extra 40 hours they're putting in is only another 20%. And it's like, dude, some people want to do that. That's fine. But this societal pressure to be like, dude, to always do that, always do that. And if you're not doing that, you're, you're being lazy. Yes. If you're not pushing, you're being lazy. Yeah. I thought about it cause I've been pretty fortunate, you know, since I've had this job I have now for you know a little over five years and for a big majority of that, I've had four day work weeks, you know, that's my mm-hmm. schedule. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I'm expected to be there four days most of the time, it's been I work Monday through Thursday. I got Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. There was a little stretch there to where I had Thursdays off. Mm-hmm. So I'd work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That's when we started the podcast. Yeah, and I had Thursdays off, and then I'd work Friday, um, and then have Saturday, Sunday off. Like, but, man, like that four-day work week, that's nice. Like to, have, to work four days, you got three days to do your own things. They, I, dude, I really think that's where it's at. And I, I think it would, <clears throat> as a whole... You know, like corporations, they could institute it because you could just have you have enough employees to rotate. If you did it like that, you could set it up to where, you know, your business is running seven days a week and you just rotate people. You know, you could even do like a three day work week and just you you got enough employees and they just kind of overlap here and there and just yeah. work three and four days. You take it would give more job opportunities. You would have to hire more people because your people wouldn't have to work as many hours, but. Man, I think that I've thought about this quite a bit. Like, there's a way to do it, and I, I think a very efficient, functional way to do it. Yeah, and it provides more jobs. 
people aren't having to work their, you know, sacrifice themselves and work themselves to the bone. And it, it's not a bad concept. Yeah, the problem is getting people to agree to the live thing, on less. It, yeah. You don't need a big screen TV in right. every fucking room. You know what I mean? Like, that's the problem is that people are like, you know, like, oh, I'm so busy. You know, I need the money. It's like, mm-hmm. you don't need the fucking money, man. Change like, your lifestyle. You yeah. You don't need the money. Exactly. Like, that's the big problem is, you know, people are their own worst enemies. Because, I mean, you've talked about seeing, you know, it was like a cliche in like the oil field where you've got the guys who are, who they're making good money, but then they're so fucking strung out on payments for all of the shit that they start to stress out if they... If they get less than 80 hours, 100 hours, like they're expecting that. Yeah, I see that at my current job. You know, I get, I get guys, I, I know a lot of guys that I currently work with to where if they're not getting 50 hours a week, like they're upset. Yeah. So yeah. we're, 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 on, we're our own worst enemies on some you level. Create that, you create your own prison. Yes, you create your own prison. Yep. And then you're sitting there, you know, and that's the thing. Like you, to your credit, like, you know, if you want to work on Friday and make extra money, I do. you can. Right. If you don't want to, you don't. I don't need to. Yeah. No. So, yeah, it definitely puts you in a different position than a lot of those people because you didn't create your lifestyle. Well, it's like, oh, I can work five days a week. Huh? Okay, well, I'll create a lifestyle based on me working five days a week. Right. And it's like, that's where you get yourself in trouble. You create a lifestyle based on the income you're getting from 80-hour weeks or whatever it is. And then it's like, well, I can't stop working 80-hour weeks. And it's like, no, 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 you got to stop this. Like, you have to change your definition of success. And, like, that's the fucking tough thing, man. Like, I'm that w- that's like the one interesting thing about that, uh, the Warrior Kid book, the, the Jocko Willink book, mm-hmm. is... Like, one of the reasons that Mark, you know, the kid in the book, hangs out with Uncle Jake so much is his parents aren't around. Because his dad is some, like, you know, guy who goes around helping set up and build factories for some company around the world. And his mom is, you know, moving up the corporate ladder at her job. And so, you know, he talks about, like, you know, sometimes he'd come home from school and his, and eat dinner. And, like, his mom wouldn't get home until he was in bed. And his dad's, like, fucking gone overseas. And it's like... I don't I don't know. That was like the only part of the book that I kind of like is like I understand that's a reality, so I know that that's probably why I was putting that in there is like that's a reality for a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. You got both and, parents that work and they're not around. And those are some of the kids that need the most help. Yeah. And so that's what he's shooting at. Yeah. I would assume. Yeah, but man, I'm just like this is fucking nonsense. Like these are not good parents, man. Like yeah, and, and it's not like they are working these two jobs just to meet poverty level. You know what I mean? It's not like, dude, we're barely keeping food on the table. And we're barely, you know what I mean? Like, okay, if you're living in some third world country and like, dude, you got to bust ass every day, both of you just to fucking keep your kids from starving to death. Like, man, more power to you. But that's a different thing than, well, you know, and again, man, it, it sucks because like what it is, is like so many women today are being told that you have to measure your success based on successful men. Right. And so it's like we've talked about this before. It's like, well, you know, we we hold up these like, OK, how how do you measure success in our society? Well, money, money. Who's making the most money? What kind of toys you got? What kind of toys you got? Who makes mm-hmm. the most money? Right. So so who are we holding up? Who's, who's the most successful? Who has the most money? And by and large, most of the people that have the most money are men. So, you know, well, you're you're not successful unless you have more money than everyone else. 
And so, well, that's how we're measuring success. And so we're, and we're telling women that this is how you measure your success. If you don't have your, like you have to measure yourself based on the same standards as a man. And if you don't have more money than everyone else, you're fucking losing. If you're not moving up the corporate ladder, you're a fucking loser. You're a fucking loser. If you just stay at home and raise your kids, you're a fucking loser. That's, dude, that terrible. pisses me off yeah. so bad. It's, it's terrible. To make people that want to just be good parents. And have a good functioning family. Have a good functioning family. Feel bad. Yeah. Make those women feel bad. Oh, you're not doing enough. And pressure. Yeah, you're, yeah, exactly. Like, you're just, oh, you're just fitting the role that society gave you, huh? You're just, you know, making the situation worse. It's like, don't fuck you people. Like, they're ruining society with that mindset. And again, who benefits from that? Right? Corporations. Corporations, man. Why would you want a why would you want a family unit to act like that? Like what benefit is that? You know, you look back through through history, that's not how family units have worked at all. At all. It's like, you know, again, going back to the the, the freaking Black Elk Speaks book, you know, the women had their role. Like they contributed, but it was like it wasn't you know they, I don't know, man, they, again, but then again, if they want to do something different, society, societal pressure would keep them from doing that. So societal pressure can, it can be bad in both ways. It can be taken to an extreme in both ways for sure. But it's just, it's like, man, there's nothing. That's not how the family units worked. It's not good for it. It's pretty easy to look around at what's going on today and realize like, you know, yeah, social media and electronic devices definitely play a role, but dude, not having fucking parents involved it plays a huge role too. Huge role. Huge role. And that's the reason that social media and electronic devices are so popular because they basically, if you're, if you're not involved as a parent, what's, you can just let your kid play with their fucking, their electronic device and, and they're occupied and they're not, it's like the electronic nanny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're not getting in trouble. Right, exactly. And so these two things go hand in hand. You got parents that aren't around and aren't involved because they don't measure their success by how good of a parent they are. They measure their success by how much money they're making, where they are in the corporate ladder bullshit. You know, like that's how they measure their success. And so then you got these a whole generation of fucking kids who are just sitting there like, oh, well, I'll be raised by YouTube yep. and, and my fucking phone will raise me because my parents can't be fucking bothered to raise me. And it's fucking nonsense, man. You just, it's not good. And again, who benefits from this? Who benefits from this? Not the family. Not, the family. not these not, people not on an individual kids. level. Nope. nope. It's the fucking, the, the, the corporations. Yep. Like the, the people who are trying to turn you into a commodity. The, person, the people who have you working, jobs you hate for shit you don't need. Mm-hmm. That's the fucking enemy. So, yeah. fuck James yeah. Is fired. James is fired up today, boy. <laughs> This was a five-hour nap for duty. I know. I told you, man. I feel awake finally. I've been dragging my ass through my world for the last week or so. So, yeah. Anyways, I don't even know how we got off on that. Black elk. Black elk Native speaks. Americans. Yeah. <clears throat> their, is... their way of life as opposed to ours. Yep. An interesting juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, I'm not saying there's there were there's uh there wasn't there's. Life wasn't all rainbows. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a, either. This utopia, right? There's things about today I like. Penicillin's pretty good. It's pretty, pretty beneficial. You know, like yeah, there's some surgery, anesthesia. Like yeah, there's some good things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to throw it all out, but uh, I'm not going the fucking Gandhi route. Like forget that dude. That's that's what he wanted to do. He was like throw it all out, like fucking medicine, all this shit. We're going back to the Stone Age, people. 
It's a little aggressive. It was pretty aggressive. I don't think that's the move. And then he got shot by somebody that didn't think he was aggressive enough. <laughs> There's always somebody. Speaking of that, you see that new virus that uh, has been popping up? I guess it's not a new virus. Kind of. Yeah, it's a, what, uh, I, mean, I saw a mention of it online. I just know uh, like... Man, carna, coronavirus or something? It starts with a C. I can't yeah. remember. Coronavirus. That's what it is. Corona. Yeah, because Corona, I think, is, yeah. it, it's something to do with a crown or a king. And I guess if you look at the virus under a microscope, it kind of looks like it's got a crown on it. Huh. So it's, but uh, enough to where um, the state in China, this, little, this place in China where it's kind of been like ground zero, that they, the government imposed a lockdown. Yeah. They like said no one's coming Welcome in. Welcome to China, bitches. No one's coming <laughs> in or out until we wipe this thing out. Because yeah. they learned from SARS. Yeah, you know they they had that SARS outbreak a few years back, whenever that was, and they didn't do that, and it, you know it got into a serious situation, to where as soon as this popped up, they're like, er, they just, you know, mandated no one's coming in or out. Yeah, smart move to try to contain it. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, there's yeah. been a few cases that have popped up here in the states, and they are, they have been from people that have traveled to this place in China. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Interesting. There's a coronavirus. I know. You do. You do. Like you, we think we're, uh, you know, such hot shit. <laughs> it's like every once in a while, Mother Nature reminds us, like, oh, yeah. You're pretty weak. Yeah, I don't have this stuff all figured out, but we do have a lot figured out, so. we got quite a few good things. I enjoy out. that. I just think we should be able to sleep more. I believe me, man. I would like to sleep more. I don't know what the answer is, though. I don't either. You know, I'm a cog in the machine. Yeah. Yes, I know. Well, so am I to a point, even though I've created my own machine on some level, right. I still got to serve a role in, in it. And it's like, yeah, you want to be a you know husband, a father, I got three businesses I'm basically running, <laughs> trying to do jujitsu. And uh, yeah, you're, it's just like, what the fuck, man, sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, but, what do I do to react? I, I think back to myself sometimes, like, what am I doing to myself? You know, because like, I always get that fear of missing out, too. Like, okay. I'm a, dude, I'm a victim of that all the time. Like, you know, like for example, yesterday, you know, uh, you know, like I didn't get home until you know ten, eleven o'clock, whatever, in bed late. The intelligent thing to do would probably just been to sleep. It's my day off, and I have to go to work, so don't set an alarm. Just go to bed, and just wake up when I feel I should have woke up. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, I want to go skiing. <laughs> So you know damn well I set that alarm at five thirty. I'm out the door by seven. You know, headed up to the mountain to go skin up the mountain and get some laps in, because I'd be pissed at like yeah the sleep would have felt good and I'm I'm tired of shit today, but I would have been pissed that I didn't get to go skiing. Yeah. yeah, I know it's first world problems. It's kind of bullshit, but I do that I do that kind of thing to myself all the time. Yeah, like yeah, probably intelligently I should sleep. Yeah, I yeah. think the thing is though is like every once in a while you have to. And then not feel bad about doing it. Yeah, that's where I, that's the problem I have. Yeah. And that's kind of where I think like yesterday was so good for me because like it really was just a total guilt free. I was like, dude, I, I'm, I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm tired of this bullshit. I'm just going to sleep. Like, yeah, when I wake up, whatever. And so I had just like cleared my mental deck, you know, like I'm not going to get anything done today. That is fine. And so it just, I'm just going to sleep and get some rest. And, you know, there's a difference between 
trying to sleep and get some rest when your mind is like, okay, I'm not doing this and I'm not doing this yeah. and I got to do this when I got to get up and, and okay, me me taking this nap is going to actually make it harder for me to fit this, this, and this in. Yeah. You know, that's a totally different thing. And uh, so I think that's kind of where that balance is, like just giving yourself, you know, every once in a while, like that just pass. a guilt-free day yeah. to just, yeah, man, fucking sleep and catch up because... Yeah, we're both that way. We're both like really busy mentally and physically. And uh, it's, yeah, you just, you only have so much energy. Like your body just can't go forever. Like shit, you, like you, you can't function at a high level. Like that's the thing is. No, like, you're suboptimal. Yes. A lot, and that's where I end up spending a lot of my days. Like suboptimal. Yeah. Like I'm getting it done, but I'm really getting it done the best I could. Right, right, right. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I feel yeah. like I'm like a 80%. Or, or less, oh, you know, nice. like things just aren't really sharp. Yep. It's just kind of like, okay, I'm getting through my day, but my day just feels like dull. Yep. I'm just mentally and physically dull. And, you know, you got to punch the clock sometimes and do that shit. But, man, I can't become like your everyday reality. That, that, and that's almost where I'm at. Like, it's like the norm. Yeah. That, and I know this and I see it. But, and it's hard to course correct, though. Yeah. It's like, fuck. Yeah. I, so, yeah, I'm thinking about this now because. Tomorrow, I'll probably run into the same problem. Like today, you know, today's usually a pretty busy day. We record, train, you know, I leave my house at a little after seven. You know, I don't get home until two-ish, give or take. So I got most of the day and I should go home and take a nap, you know, and then wake up and do my, you know, do whatever I need to do. But then I'm like, man, well, if tomorrow I want to go skiing, I need to get all these things done. (laughs) Again, it's, you know... Fortunate problems to have. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not bitching. So uh, then I'm doing the calculations. Man, should I go skiing tomorrow or should I just sleep? Should I go home, take a nap, wake up, do what I got to do tonight, what I don't get done to get ready for the work week on tomorrow? That's okay. Like just sleep in, get it done. But like, man, I really could go skiing and be great. <laughs> <laughs> and I want you know, I'm going to train tomorrow evening. You know, last Sunday, Paul and I. And, there's a few of us, like four of us got together and trained last Sunday evening at five. Yeah. I, I like that. I mean, I, I like having training at the end of the day, especially on Sunday at about that time because yeah. it, it kind of wraps my day up, wraps my weekend up. I go train. If I get all my stuff done, whatever I need to do, my food prep, all that good stuff, I go train at five o'clock. I get done. I'm home by 6.37, eat a nice dinner, relax for a little bit, and then go to bed. Like, it's a good way to end the weekend and get ready for Monday. Yeah. So we're planning on training again tomorrow night at five. All right on. So that adds a new layer to it. Like, okay, I got to get everything done by 4.30 on Sunday because <laughs> that's the end of my weekend. <laughs> it's a, Again, it's fortunate problems to have, but they are yeah. problems nonetheless. They are. Yeah, and that's where I sometimes okay. just look at it and I'm like, okay, do I really have to take on all these things? Yeah, exactly. Like, do I, can I, is there some things I can just strip down? And so, yeah, I'm actually in the process of rethinking my whole pedaling innovations model. Oh yeah, dude. It's just that fucking dude running a manufacturing business or or a business that relies on a manufacturer, I guess is really Mm -hmm. the way to put it. Um, man, it is such a pain in the ass. I got, I found to check this out. So, you know, the way the pedals are made is we get, uh, I have a mold, um, somewhere. I think it's in fucking India where we get the steel from. (laughs) And so, but it's like, you know, it's like Play-Doh, right? Like they run the steel through like the the mold. And so the the steel comes out or the aluminum comes out roughly in the shape 
of the pedals. Yeah, they stamp out the blanks. Yeah, exactly. And then they're able to, it just cuts down machine time and all that stuff. And so, but you need these blanks because that's how you make your pedals. And so, you know, I got to order these things in advance because it can take like up to four months to get the order in. And so I placed this order like two and a half, you know, months ago for a ton of material, which makes about 1200 pedals. And yeah, I find out last week, uh, or this week, um, my, uh, my manufacturer over there says, oh yeah, you know, of course he's blaming it on them. Of course. But long story short, they're sending him the wrong blanks that, you know, they're sending him the blanks for his pedals cause he has a pedal that he makes. And so they're sending him a ton of material for his pedals and not for mine. So I have no blanks, blanks coming, coming in. in. Yeah. You know, I thought that I was going to have more pedals on their way here in the next like two, three months. And so now it's looking more like it's going to be like, you know, five plus months. So like that's. And you, there's only, you can't control much of that. No, I can't control it, man. Dude, you guys have no control over that. Somebody dropped the ball somewhere and you got screwed. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, and there's nothing I can do about it. And there's just, yeah, the, the whole like, you know, I told you my Taiwan people have like, call me or you know hit me up and be like oh yeah we're, we're gonna be two months late with that order and it's like well wait a minute man like you know you told me it's gonna be four months and now you tell me it's gonna be six months and like that's a big that's a big difference i got customers i got customers yeah like I, I do all my stuff and so you're sitting here trying to like figure out how to keep stock on your shelf without going too much so it's uh i think my plan what i want to do and this is probably going to be stupid and blow up in my face but i'm just going to try it anyways is I'm gonna go the show your roll route. What's the what's the show your roll route? Well, show your roll geese. They're fucking expensive as hell. Right. Why? Because there aren't very many of them. Right. They do right. limited releases. It's like there's you can't get them on Amazon. You know what I mean? Like they're not available everywhere. Like you see someone with a show your roll gee and you know like whoa dude like not everyone has one of those things. <laughs> and so if. Like one of the ways to control manufacturing stuff is like, well, what if I just did like a limited release of pedals every month? And so, and then like made them more expensive, you know, instead of 129 charge like 199. And I have this new design coming out that's like better. And so there's like, it's kind of a good time to maybe try it out and, uh, and see what that happens. That might not, man, that might not. I like where you're thinking about that. You know, because just, I, you know, I was in manufacturing for a lot of years and I, I see the problems you're having and it's, yeah. And there's the, where you're at in that process, there's nothing you can do about it. Mm -mm. You, you know, you get a supplier, it goes all the way back to the steel supplier, the aluminum, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the material supplier. And it just, cause it just compounds. If he screws the guy who's doing the blanks, then that screws the manufacturing and they can just keep passing the buck, but doesn't matter bottom line you get fucked yeah and you have zero control over it yeah and you're such a small like for them you're such a small customer they don't give a shit no that's the thing they, man. you have no power with them no yeah if they're not important you're not important nope you don't make it they don't make enough money off you nope and so for you to call and you know be pissed they're like okay whatever you can be as pissed as you want we're gonna be six months late and yeah. you can eat a bag of dicks with it yeah they're not gonna cut you a deal you know nothing no you don't have any power in no. that in that role and that's fushed got to be so frustrating yeah. And yeah, so I think, I think you're onto something. Yeah. I, I, I really think you are. And then because, you know, even doing it like that, I mean. Well, I don't know how many, I, if, if I do a hundred a month, yep. I know I need 1200 pedals. Yep. 
And and one of the other things is, and this is another tough thing, man. People don't think about this until you get into it. Is uh, success has its own problems too, right? Like if I sell too few pedals, well, that's a problem. But if I sell too many pedals, that's a problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? If if tomorrow Sam Hill, who's like this real famous flat pedal mountain bike guy, if he came out tomorrow and said catalyst pedals are the best thing to ever happen, I recommend everybody who rides flats get the catalyst pedals. That'd be fucking horrible for me. Mm-hmm. It would devastate me because because you you'd be I, pissing customers off because you yeah. couldn't get a product in time, yeah. and then then they'd be shitting shitting on you online, yeah. and it would just fuck your business. Yeah. Like, I run out of pedals, bad. and I don't have them. It, yeah, exactly. It would, it would be worse for your business. Yes, it yeah. can cause it has its own problems, right? Yeah. And so, but if I'm doing this is what I do, it's like it doesn't matter. Like if somebody comes out next month and and we get that big pop that you know everyone wants a pair of catalyst pedals, and it's like. Do we do a hundred a month? Like that's, that's what we do. Like you know, and so there's no like I'm not gonna run out of stock right overnight because you know something happened and then all of a sudden my whole supply line is just fucked. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, yeah, if I know exactly how many I'm doing, and that's it, and I and that's it, and then I then I can plan my whole year around that. And so it's it's a matter of like maximizing my profit on a fewer pedals. Rather than seeing how little profit I can get off, off of as many pedals yeah, as I shit can, time, yeah. and I just I can't win that game, man. Because no. like that's another problem is dude, money. People are like you don't think about it, but dude, I got a I got a eighty almost hundred thousand dollar line of credit that mm. like my house to keep, to keep it on float. Yeah, yeah that my yeah. house is fucking attached to. Right, like this is it's in like that's how much money it takes to play the game at the level that I'm playing it at, and I'm not even playing it on a big level. Yeah, in the grand scheme of things, yeah, it's a pretty small level. It's a pretty small level, and so like for me to get to where I'm doubling what I'm making now, which still wouldn't be like huge, would be I mean I'd need like almost a quarter million dollar line of credit. Right, and. Yeah, like that's a lot of fucking money mm-hmm. to, in in a lot of exposure, and yeah. So I'm like, all right, how do I dial this back? And again, man, it's just if you think there's a solution, you you can look at the problem differently. And so yeah, we're trying to figure out how to get away from the bank, and so a smaller amount of pedals like that will allow us to um, like go back to the cash, like you know. Instead of, yeah, dealing with cash instead of a line of credit. Yep, exactly. Like, we could put 20 grand aside, mm-hmm. and that's our, what we use to order stock. And, like, that's, you know, we can do that, like, cash, and then we're not relying on a bank. Because that's the other thing. Like, we could go to our bank uh, this summer and go to renew our line of credit, and them say oh yeah well sorry we're not gonna do it or we can't renew it at the same level you're gonna have to get less or something like that's right. what happened to us last year yeah we i remember dealing with that last year dude it was a fucking nightmare yeah and 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 we basically learned like oh yeah from a bank's perspective we don't look healthy because it's one of those cliche things like they only want to loan money to people who are a safe bet and a safe bet is someone who has cash in the bank who could pay the loan back so, but if you have all that cash in the bank, what do you need the fucking loan for? Need loan for yeah. And so the only people who can really afford to do that are like corporations, like big corporations. Like that's how you end up with like cash reserves that you can go to the bank with and stuff like that. But like, dude, mom and pop operations like us, like that's not how we work, you know? And so, you know, trying to play this game 
you know, you know I'm trying to win a game with these. You're not that you're not really set up to win. I'm not really set up to win. So there's too I, many variables you can't yeah. control in that game. Yeah, it's way too really, many. Way too many. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, man, grow it to a point, and then have the bank say, "Oh, we're jerking your line of credit," or just yeah, crazy. So I think that that's. I think I'm gonna try that. Go for the. Uh, you know, if it blows up in my face and whatever, but I think. Uh, and, man, on the surface, you know, I obviously I've only been thinking about it for like three minutes. I what you do, buddy, in and out. Like, yeah, see, I do. It seems like a good idea. I think you might be onto something. Also, I want to source a uh, a U.S. manufacturer. Yeah, that you know, that's where my mind goes. Yep. With it. Like, if if you get it to smaller, limited releases, yeah, you could probably bring the manufacturing. Yeah. State side. Mm-hmm. If I'm yeah. charging a premium, then premium, I, don't, you know. I can pay more. Yep. It's like a U.S. made pedal is going to probably cost three times what a Chinese made pedal or Taiwanese made pedal yep. is going to cost. And so, but if I'm charging like, you know, $199, $249 a pedal, then you can we do can that. do it. That's like Origin Geese, right? Yep. Jocko's whole thing. It's a fucking U.S. made, man. Yeah, I said I paid $300 for my Origin Geese. Yep. It's USA made. Yep. I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah. If I get a US made pedal and we're doing I think a lot of things, nowadays, I think a lot of people would be on board with that. I know yeah. if I was, you know, getting into mountain biking, you know, and that was one of the components I could buy, like, okay, yeah, you can spend 150 bucks on this, or you can spend 300 on something made right here in the States and, you know, better quality. Cause I'm going to do it. Yeah. I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to spend that extra money. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think like that. Especially if it's fucking, you can't get them all the time exactly that's my other thing like you know again like marketing like you know we'll probably run out of stock the last week of every month you know what i mean even even if i say like we're going to do a release of 75 pedals this month and we only sell like 50 Mm -hmm. well you know the last week of the month we're out of stock because you want people to come there to buy them and not be able to get them yep because if because if they're always available then it's just a fucking like it's just a thing. It's just a, you know, oh, they say it, but every time you go there, they're available. I don't really believe them. They're just saying that bullshit. But, dude, if you go to the website, you know, for a week or two each month, and it's like, yeah, we're out of stock. Out of stock. Sign yeah. up. Sign up here. We, You'll be the first yeah. one to know when we release Notify our batch you. next yep. month. Yeah. I think you're on to something. I think so, sure. man. It, yeah. It would allow me to get Pelling Innovations to a much more sustainable place like right now it just feels out of control just completely out of control i'm like well i mean it really kind of is like like we just said there's so many things you have very little control over yeah the amount of you're just kind of you're you're just kind of like rolling with it and you're trying to manage the chaos oh yeah and and it's a fragile system if one little thing breaks down here like that can get scary because then it can this can break down and so on and so forth yeah, I mean, I, the thing with the manufacturing-based business is that there are, you don't have fixed costs. Because mm-hmm. the more pedals I sell, the more my costs go up. Yep. I, my more inventory I have to earn or get, the more marketing I'm probably having to do, the more, it's like, it, it, you know, like right now with uh, Fruit of BJJ, my costs are kind of fixed. Right. You know, like I know what my rent is, you know, and so like if I get more members, like I'm not like, yeah, there's a little bit, but it's not the same thing. It's and not the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can scale things on a much more sustainable level than if you're like, dude, every pedal I sell, I have to add fucking $50 to the budget. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's like this fucking, it's, it is its own uh, interesting problem, but I think that's. That's been my thoughts. On when did you come up with that idea? 
Is that pretty recent? This week? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've been really like, it sucks, man, when you're like stuck. I was telling Kelly, like, it sucks when you're stuck in the middle of the of it, right? There's been like a, a few week period here where I've just been in like a mental funk because mm-hmm. I know something's broke. I know, you know, it's coming. I have to make a decision on some stuff and what am I going to do and, and all this stuff. And I don't know what the answer is. And that sucks, you know, but if you just keep thinking, if you believe that you can find an answer, if you believe that you're the kind of person who can find a fucking solution to the problem, eventually one will present itself present to itself, you. Yeah. So it's something I've been like, been bugging me for, you know, a while now, but I told Kelly, like when we were talking about it, I was like, dude, this is the first time I've gotten excited thinking about pedaling innovations. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, that's that's cool. Like, that's kind of a cool thing. Nobody. And that's a sign in itself, right there. I think. Yeah. That, you, that you're on the right path, possibly. Yeah. You know? I think so. Yeah. Nobody in the bike industry does anything like that. Like limiting your own stock, right? It's like who the fuck does that? But like I told her, I'm like, okay, we're only selling, you know, 200, 250 pairs of pedals a month right now, which is pretty good, but not like great. And uh, I was like, you know, we're trying as hard as we can. So that's really kind of sad. Like we're trying as hard as we can and this is all we can sell. If we sold 100 pairs a month, but we put the fucking limit on it and we, and we said we're only selling 100 pairs this month. Well, we're selling less, but we look better from the outside. Mm-hmm. Like from the outside, we look like we are in a completely different position than if we're trying our hardest and only selling a few hundred pedals a month. And so it just it gives, you, gives us a chance to like control the narrative on you know, where we're at, right? Like, yeah, we're not a big company. Exactly. It's because we're not trying to be a big company. We're trying to be this. And so you guys can't judge us based on, you know, a big company yep. type thing. So anyways, it's just like in jujitsu, man. You're fucking losing this battle. Change the battle. Change the battle, man. Change the battle. Make that battle insignificant. Change the fight. Change the fight. Yep. yep. See if you can make their grips and position Worthless. moot. Yep. So, that's cool. That's exciting to hear. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's it all comes at a good time. You know, the the new pedal uh, coming out. Like I said, the design's updated. Got better internals. Dropped some weight. You know, it's gonna be a good good time to do it. And uh, and it'll allow me to like say, okay, how long until I get my next shipment of pedals? And then I can just divide what my stock is into that many months. Mm-hmm. And then I know, okay, well, I'm just gonna release this many pedals every month. And that'll allow me to like ride out this, you know, gap. So instead of right. selling out and then being out of stock for several months, it's like, no, 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 we're going to be in stock, just limited release every month. So. Hmm. I think you're on something. Yeah, man. Yeah. I think you show your role. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, if they can get fucking 300 bucks for. Well, look what, look what, uh, um, Armbar Soap Company yes, did it with, the, yes. with, with their limited release belts. Yep. They did it with black belts. They've done it twice now. They do it like once every other year or something. Yeah. And they actually just did it with colored belts yep. just recently. Kelly said she went to check and uh, they were sold out already. Yep. Yeah, if you don't get on board quick, man. And they're not cheap. No. Yeah, like it. Uh, God, what happened? Because I bought one of the black belts when they did that, you know, a few months back. I think, you know, with shipping tax, everything to my door. Like eighty five dollars or something like that. Yeah. You know, from a for a belt, which is expensive. But it's it's a cool thing. It is a cool it, thing. It's a cool thing, man. It's a really cool thing. Yeah. And the thing is, more than likely, it's being made 
probably right next to the belts that cost 25 bucks. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know, and then they throw a little, you know, some touches on it to make it a little different. And then it's the way the release. And so there's something about that. Like that, you know, show your role. Like, you know, that's the thing. I, 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 hopefully I'm not, you know, revealing any industry secrets at this point. I think everyone knows. I, I think like, everybody knows. There's this. only a few manufacturers of the geese. Like, you know, so you're getting, you know, they're not different than like a hundred dollar geese. You not know, terribly different. Not terribly yeah. different. In fact, made, that, made in the same factory. Yeah, exactly. Over in, in Pakistan. In fact, you'd probably be surprised how many like like you know house branded uh, geese are like they're fucking show your rolls. Mm -hmm. They're the same goddamn thing. They're same just, thing with Lucky. Yeah, they're just yeah. different uh, patches and stuff, uh, colors and stuff put on them, but they're basically the same goddamn thing. But it's like, dude, you're not going to pay $300 for one of those geese, but you will show your role. And it's yep. like, because they've done such a good job of creating a, a mystique about the brand and, you know, limiting, you know, that's like diamonds. I don't know if people know, but like diamonds are not scarce. Yeah, that's a, that's a crooked industry. Yes. Like oh. they, they, they control the release to the market. If they actually released all the diamonds that they had, the fucking market would, would plummet. And so I think I... It's probably not true, but like I heard that like cubic zirconiums are probably are actually more valuable if you look at like like you know the actual material. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Like how scarce they actually are. The the diamonds are an artificial market that they've created, and so again, you can argue, oh, that's bullshit. They should just release them. Or it's like, no, man. It's like if you have control of it, yeah, it's up to you. Yeah, you 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 control your fucking your world, man. Your like what world do yeah. you live in? And are you trying to sell as many cheap things as possible? Or are you creating a really cool top-end experience for people that... Because uh, that's the other thing. I'll bet Show Your Roll has really good customer service. Like, I'll bet they, you know, that it, you get stuff with that that you don't necessarily get with buying the same gi from a knockoff brand or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, So, it's... Uh, yeah, I like that. I like that fucking... That route. It's like create a cool brand and tribe and make it hard to get into and then yeah and then you can provide like a better service yeah you don't exactly. have exactly you know you don't have as many customers so if somebody does come to you with a problem you're like yeah well that's yeah. the thing too man you know at some point I'm not gonna be able to scale the customer service the same way so like the way that I take care of customers now if we doubled how many pedals we were selling it would be really difficult. To maintain that. And you see that all the time with companies, right? Mm -hmm. Like they, they build a reputation based on how they were when they were small. And then they just try to grow, 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 grow. Because someone, you know, they got popular and they had these opportunities. And so you're told like grow it all. Like just grow, grow, grow. Well, they couldn't continue to provide the same experience. So now all of a sudden what you have is not the same thing. Like what made you popular in the first place is not what you are today. And then that's how, I mean, I've seen in the, in the cycling industry countless times um, where it's like, and then you lose it, right? Then people go away because they're not getting good service. You're always out of stock on stuff. And then the company dies because they weren't. what got them to that point? Yes. And they weren't able to maintain it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you can't, yeah, that, that's the hard thing. If you can't scale your culture then it's tough. And you know, they talk about that in like 150 people or whatever in a business, right? Yeah. Like it gets, it gets hard to, the, the more people you're serving, the more people you're interacting with, the harder it gets to do that. So the answer might be, well, let's restrict that number. So that's the idea. Hmm. Good. Glad yeah. Hear it. That's cool. yeah. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with jujitsu, but it's, 
It's got some fucking... That's most of the podcast anyways. I know. Once in a while, we got episodes that cover a lot of uh, jiu-jitsu. Yeah, man, for sure. Before uh, we go, I did want to give a shout-out to the book with winning in mind. I liked it. It was a book uh, for Ross the Hobby. With winning in mind? Yeah, with winning in mind. This is the Larry Basham guy that had, like was a rifle shooter on the U.S. shooting team, and he, like, did mental training for, like, six hours a day or whatever. Really? And so, yeah, his mental, his book's about, like, his mental training system that he developed. And then, so, like, he won a gold medal using it, and then he had a son that won a gold medal using it as well. And so, it uh, is, you know, it's nothing, like, real totally new, you know, but I liked the there were there were a couple things that I liked. One was that you know his underlying thing is like your self image is super important. And so what do you focus on with your performance? Because that's going to affect your self image. So if you focus on what you did wrong, you're going to improve your chances of doing wrong. If you focus on what you did right, you're going to focus improve your chances of that. So his thing was like you know when you do something right in training, you reinforce it by saying this is me, that's me, that's what I do. And if you make a mistake, then you acknowledge the mistake. It's not a matter of ignoring it, but you don't own it. It's like, that's not me. Mm-hmm. Like, that was just a mistake. You know, I, I don't do those things. I don't make that mistake. And so it was, it's an interesting little switch because if you think about, I mean, I, at least I know myself, like, man, half the time after rolling, like, I'm thinking about the, the mistakes I made and going, why do I always do that shit? Like, why do I do that? And then I'm like reinforcing in my head, like, well, that's me. That's what I do. And I'm not necessarily thinking about all the good things that I did and reinforcing in my head, like, no, that's me. Like, that's what I do. And so it's, uh, I don't know. I like, I like that little, it's a subtle little shift, but. It's better. I can see it being a beneficial switch. Yeah. To make though. But then you start to think about too, like from coaching, that's why being positive as a coach is because you're building your athlete's self image. Mm -hmm. And so if you're telling them, you always do this. You know, here's what you're doing. Yeah. You know, it's not, oh, it's, I don't. It, man, it's not a good way to approach things. When no, you're going coaching people because it starts to build in their head. They think, oh, I'm the guy that just always gets stiff. Mm-hmm. And and so then you you know you're reinforcing your your thing. And then you know again you need to point out when people are doing mistakes, but you got to balance that very heavily with, you know, you're doing this right. Like this is good. This is you. Like when you do this right, that's you. And I want you to keep thinking Just, about we that. We need more of that. Yes, we need more of that. We need more of that. Not, this is what you did wrong and we need less of that. Like, that's not, you know, it's, it's, that, it just doesn't work that way. Like, it sounds like you'd arrive at the same place by saying, that's what you did wrong, do less of that. Versus, here's what you did right, do more of that. And, but it's not. It, you, you arrive at a completely different place with the self-image that people develop based on you know, how you're talking to them and then also how they're talking to themselves like that. So, um, but yeah, then he had a good uh, way of keeping a, uh, his performance journal, um, which I thought applied really well to like jujitsu journals because, you know, they're one of those things like they're valuable, but a lot of people don't necessarily know how to use them. You know, how do I do it? What do I get out of it? And you try it a few times. And so he had a good structure for basically like, you know, record the, the general data, like date, where it was, what you're doing, how long it was, you know, sounds simple, but again, like it's good to record that shit. Then you can look back and see, well, how much was I training over the last month? Um, you know, the, the basic stuff, what did you go over? So like for jujitsu, it would be, 
you know, these were, this is how class we did warm ups. Then we did, you know, uh, these techniques. And then we did five rounds of, of sparring. So you just kind of give an outline of what happened in class and then what the techniques were, you know, if you, uh, you want to write down some notes on that. And then, uh, so just like the general stuff, but what I liked is he said, finish off with a, um, a success analysis and a solutions analysis. So you need to write down a couple things that you did well. Like, what did you do well during that training session? And then solutions analysis is either things that you figured out during training, like, oh, okay, I found an answer to this or what I realized this. Or if it's a problem that you're having, you phrase it, I am looking for a solution to, you know, whatever it is that you, you know, I'm always getting passed with this fucking pass. But instead of saying like, I'm always getting passed with this pass, you know, here's what my problem is. Instead of a problems analysis, my problem is I'm always getting passed. Oh, then that's who you are. You're always getting passed. No, my salute, I am trying to find an answer to getting passed. Again, it sounds like cheesy, but it's, you know, the mind is so powerful, man. The words you use to direct it. And so I think that that's a really good thing, like writing down some successes you had and then having a solutions analysis, either things that you figured out or framing the, the things problems. things you're trying to figure out. Yes. Yeah. Framing the problems that you're having in, in the way of you're looking for a solution to them. And then finally, he's a, he's a big fan of like the affirmation uh, thing, like, you know, see who you want to be. And then talk to yourself like you're already that person. So, you know, if you're the person who, you know, doesn't just, you know, lay down and let people run around when they're trying to pass, like that's, you know, it's, it's kind of cheese, but it's not that I'm working on this. It's I am the guy who does this. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, even if, you know, you know, you're working towards it, but again, it's just how are the words that you're using? And the way that he put it is like your self image hates conflict. And so when you create these affirmations, you create these statements about yourself that are in conflict with who you currently are, you're going to do one of two things. You're either going to change your self-image or you're going to stop writing the fucking affirmation down and you're just going to be the same. But you're going to force yourself to have to do one of those one two of things. You, you can't hold both of them. Right, you can't hold them both. And so if you don't create that dichotomy, you don't create that tension in the first place, you don't really give yourself the chance to, to take on that new self-image. And so... It really kind of changed my way. Because, again, like self-affirmations and things like that. Like, you know, we grew up watching Jack Candy on yeah. fucking Saturday Night Live. As, as you were saying that, I was... That's all right? I was thinking. And gosh darn it, people like you. Or yes. people like me. People like me. People like yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you're worth it. And all this. Yeah. So that's <laughs> that's our image of that stuff. And there is some cheesy shit. Like the secrets kind of mm -hmm. in that fuzzy area. But man, the way that he put it and the way that he was putting it together and using it on a practical level really made you understand like, oh, the way that I talk to myself is very important. And just changing a few little things can have a big fucking impact on where I end up in the future. And so, uh, so anyways, yeah, I, I really like that. That book, I recommend it for... Uh, what was the name again? With Winning in Mind. With Winning in Mind. I'm yeah. actually going to type that into my phone right now because if not, I will forget. Yeah, man. Good one for, you know, jujitsu guys. If you guys are looking for something to help you with that mental side. And like I said, really good for uh, goal setting. Um, we talk about this with goal setting. It talks about like, you don't want to set a goal to like win. You want to set a goal to... To control the process, right? Like, so if I'm going to have a winning performance, 
what is the process that I would have to go through to have that? Now that's my goal. Mm -hmm. Cause you can't always control, like you may, you know, we, we've talked about it before. You can't always control how things are going to end up at a competition or, you know, you know, the, an, an outcomes based goal that you can't control is, you know, never going to be as effective or isn't as effective as a process based goal. And so, you know, again, just like we were talking about the variables you can, you can control. Yeah. With peddling innovations, you know, you got so many variables there you can't control. Yep. And so you're trying to funnel that down into stuff you can't control. It's the same thing. Yeah. 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 Figure out what you can control and focus on, and those, focus things on those things and make those your goals. Yeah. So you're not, yeah. But, uh, so anyways, overall, like I said, it's, I thought it was a really good book. Um, very easy read. It's not, you know, huge. He's, not a bunch of psycho babble nonsense. He's not a scientist, you know. He's a he's an athlete that mm -hmm. you know researched it and and does what stuff. worked for him. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But man, you talk about like a mental sport. I mean, rifle shooting or you know shooting, like it, that's not a physically demanding sport. You know, I mean, it is in its own way. Like I don't want to downplay but, that, right. but you don't have to be like an uber athlete to do it. Right. And it, it like it comes down to like ninety plus percent mental. Uh, so. It's, uh, if it worked for him, then you can definitely carry it over to definitely carry it over. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. Recommend that one. That's good but, mention. Uh, cool. So we call that a wrap? Yeah. Place to end, huh? I think so, man. Cool. See you. Yeah. See you guys. Thank you for listening to the Grumpy Guy BJJ podcast. Thank you all for listening. You can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Please make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help and will allow us to keep putting out episodes. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas, hit us up at grumpyguybjj at gmail.com. Also, go to our website, grumpyguybjj.com, and get signed up for podcast updates and get our free BJJ Improvement Starter Kit. That's it for now, so get on the mat, train hard, and talk to you all next week. He died.